Chapter six part two of a common story by Ivan Goncharov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter six part two. Alexander looked in perplexity at his uncle. What kind of duel? he asked. I will tell you directly how have you acted up till now alexander with a great deal of circumlocution in chaotic fashion told him the whole course of the affair do you see it is you who have been to blame in everything all round was pyotr ivanitch's comment after listening with a scowl how many stupid things you have done ah alexander what evil genius brought you here it wasn't worth while for you to come you might have been doing all these things at home by the lake with your aunt ah how can any one be so childish make scenes fly into a fury fie who does these things nowadays what if your what's-her-name julia tells it all to the count but no there's no danger of that thank goodness she's so sensible of course that in answer to his questions about your relations she has said what has she said asked alexander hastily that she's been making a fool of you that you had been in love with her that she hated you could not bear you as they always do in such cases do you suppose that she has said that asked alexander turning paler without the least doubt can you imagine that she is relating to him how you used to pick yellow flowers together there in the garden what simplicity what kind of a duel though with the count asked alexander with impatience why you ought not to have been rude to him and avoided him and given him sulky looks but quite the contrary you should have replied to his friendliness by twice three times ten times as much friendliness as for the what's her name nadinka i fancy that's not it you shouldn't have exasperated her with reproaches you should have been indulgent with her caprices and have maintained an appearance of noticing nothing as though any change were something quite impossible you ought not to have let them get so far as an intimate acquaintance you should have broken in on their tete-a-tete skilfully as though accidentally you should have been everywhere with them have even gone riding with them and all the while you should be silently challenging your rival before her eyes and should lay bare his weak points as though in surprise at them without forethought good-naturedly even reluctantly and compassionately and little by little draw off him the disguise in which a young man gets himself up before a pretty girl you ought to have taken notice what struck and dazzled her most in him and then have skilfully touched on those very points presented them plainly and shown them in their everyday light and have proved that the new hero is nothing particular in himself and has only assumed this exalted get-up for her benefit and to do all this coolly patiently skilfully that's the duel as it is in our age but it's not a game for such as you at this point pyotr ivanitch drank off a glass and at once poured out some more wine despicable dissimulation have recourse to double dealing to gain a woman's heart remarked alexander indignantly you would have recourse to the cudgel pray is that any better by dissembling one may keep someone's affection by force i hardly think so the desire of getting rid of your rival i understand in that way you would have succeeded in keeping the woman you love for yourself you would have forestalled or averted danger it's very natural 
but to kill him because he has inspired love is exactly as though you had stumbled and hurt yourself and then hit the place on which you stumbled as children do you may think as you please but the count is not to blame i see you know nothing of the mysteries of the heart that's why your amours and your novels are both in such a poor way amours said alexander shaking his head contemptuously but is a love very flattering or very lasting that is inspired by dissimulation i don't know about it being flattering that's as a man likes to look at it it's quite a matter of indifference to me i haven't the highest opinion of love in general you know that as far as i'm concerned i should be glad if there were no such thing at all but that such a love is more lasting i am sure there is no dealing straightforwardly with the heart it is a strange instrument inspire a passion however you like but retain it by your intelligence dissimulation that is one side of intelligence there is nothing despicable in it there is no need to disparage your rival and resort to slandering you would set your charmer against you in that way you must only shake off him the spangles in which he dazzles her and set him before her as a plain ordinary man and not a hero i think it is quite excusable to defend one's own interests by honourable forms of dissimulation which are not disdained even in warfare why you were wanting to get married a pretty husband you would have been if you had begun to make scenes with your wife and show your rival a stick and you'd none the less have won <clears throat> Pyotr ivanitch pointed to his forehead your varenka was twenty per cent more sensible than you when she made the condition that you should wait a year but could i have acted a part even if i had the ability to do this one must not love as i do some people pretend sometimes to be cold and stay away for a few days from policy and that produces an effect but for me to try to be politic when at the sight of her my soul caught fire and my limbs shook and trembled under me when i was ready to endure any torture if only i might see her no whatever you say for me there is more rapture in loving than in being loved without loving or in loving in a half-hearted way as an amusement on a repulsive calculated system and playing with a woman as if she were a lap-dog and then throwing her aside pyotr ivanitch shrugged his shoulders all right then suffer if it's so agreeable to you he said oh the provinces oh asia you ought to have lived in the east there they give the women orders whom they are to love and if they don't obey they drown them no here he continued as if to himself to be happy with a woman can't be managed on your principles a madman's really but it can be done by prudence many conditions are necessary one must know how to turn a girl into a woman on a well-thought-out plan on a method if you like so that she may understand and fulfil her destination one must trace a magic circle round her not too narrow so that she may not be conscious of its limits and may not overstep them one must artfully gain the mastery not only of her heart that's something but it's a slippery and unstable possession but of her intelligence her will and must make her tastes her disposition subject to your own so that she may look at things with your eyes think with your brain that means make her a doll or the silent slave of her husband interposed alexander why you must manage so that she shall lose nothing of her character and dignity as a woman allow her liberty of action in her own sphere but let your shrewd wit keep watch over her every action every breath every step so that the husband's eye ever wakeful however outwardly indifferent 
may note every passing emotion every whim every germ of feeling everywhere and always establish without her observing it a perpetual control over her without any kind of tyrannizing and lead her into the ways you desire oh a wonderful and difficult training is wanted and the best training it is a husband of intelligence and experience that's where it all is he coughed significantly and tossed off a glass at one draught then he continued a husband can sleep in peace when his wife is not beside him or can sit with his mind at rest in his study while she is asleep since i see uncle continued alexander that you sit with mind at rest in your study while my aunt is asleep i surmise that the husband is shh be quiet his uncle began to say lifting his hand it's a good thing my wife's asleep but at this moment the door of the study began very quietly to open but no one was visible but the wife said a woman's voice in the corridor must not show that she understands her husband's grand system of training and must set up a little system of her own without chattering about it over a bottle of wine both the adouafs rushed to the door but a sound of quick steps of fluttering skirts came from the corridor and all was still again the uncle and nephew looked at one another what do you say now uncle asked the nephew after a pause what nothing said pyotr ivanitch knitting his brows i have chosen a bad time to boast learn alexander that it's better not to marry or else choose a fool you'll not be a match for a clever woman it's a difficult task to train her he fell into thought then clapped his hand to his brow how came i not to consider that she would know of your visit so late he said with annoyance that a woman will never sleep when there's a secret between two men in the next room that she'd be certain either to send her maid or come herself not to have foreseen it stupidity and it's all you're doing and this cursed glass of lafitte i've been blabbing what a lesson from a girl of twenty you're uneasy uncle what is there to be uneasy about not much i have made a mistake i must not lose my self-possession but must extricate myself skilfully he grew thoughtful again she was boasting he began again what sort of training could she use no that could not be in her power she is young she only said that from irritation but now she has discovered this magic circle she too will begin to play a part oh i know a woman's nature but we shall see he smiled confidently and cheerfully and his brow grew smooth again what were we talking of oh yes i think you were wanting to murder your what's her name i despise her from the depths of my soul said alexander with a heavy sigh there you see you're already halfway to recovery but is that the truth you are still angry i fancy you will very likely go back there again what an idea after this men do go back after more than that your word of honour now not to go on my word of honour then well then if we i will tell you then there's nothing to despise her for nothing to despise her for no uncle that's beyond everything the count he did not know but she who is to blame then i well almost so but in reality no one is to blame tell me why do you despise her for her base conduct in what does it consist in repaying with ingratitude a lofty and unbounded passion what has gratitude to do with it did you love her for her sake to oblige her did you want to do her a service eh 
according to that you should have loved your mother a little better alexander looked at him and did not know what to say you ought not to have displayed your feeling in its full strength before her a woman begins to grow cool when a man comes out altogether you ought to have found out her character and behaved in accordance with it and not have lain down at her feet like a dog how is one to get on without understanding the companion with whom you have to do in any relation you would have seen then that you must not expect more from her she had played her romance with you to the end just as she is playing it with the count and as she very likely will play it again with someone else she cannot go deeper or further that's not in such a nature and god only knows what you are expecting but why did she love another interposed alexander with bitterness oh what a crime you have discovered what a sensible question ah you primitive creature why did you love her come get over loving her just as easily does it depend on me well then did her loving the count depend on her you maintained yourself that the impulses of the heart ought not to be held in check but as soon as you are touched by it yourself then you ask why did she love him why did so-and-so die why did what's-her-name go out of her mind how is one to answer such questions love must end some time it can't last for ever oh i will be revenged on her said alexander you are ungrateful continued pyotr ivanitch it's too bad remember that for a year and a half you have been ready to fall on every one's neck with joy and haven't known what to do for happiness a year and a half of unbroken pleasure whatever you say you are ungrateful ah uncle for me there was nothing in the world so sacred as love life without her is not life ah pyotr ivanitch broken with vexation i am sick of listening to such nonsense i could have worshipped nadinka continued alexander and i would not have grudged her any happiness in the world i had dreamed of spending my whole life with nadinka and what has happened what has become of that sublime immense passion of which i dreamed it has been transformed into a stupid petty comedy of sighs and scenes jealousy lying and hypocrisy oh my god why did you imagine what does not happen didn't i tell you plainly that up to now you have been trying to live a kind of life that's never possible according to you a man's only business was to be a lover a husband father and of anything else you won't even hear man is something beyond this he is a citizen as well and has a calling an occupation of some kind he's an author a landowner a soldier an official or a manufacturer you have read novels and listened to your auntie out there in the wilds and have come up here full of these ideas you still imagined a sublime passion yes sublime oh please stop is a sublime passion possible what why this by a passion we mean i suppose when feeling inclination attraction has reached such a pitch that it ceases to be guided by reason well what is there sublime in that i don't understand it it's only a madness the man falls below the dignity of man and why do you present only one side of the medal i am speaking of love turn the other side and you will see that love was not such a bad thing remember your moments of happiness you keep buzzing into my ears oh don't remind me don't remind me said alexander with a gesture of his hand it's very well for you to reason so because you believe in the woman you love i should like to see what you would have done in my place what should i have done i should have sought distraction at the factory won't you like to try it to-morrow no i can't feel at one with you in anything alexander exclaimed mournfully 
your views do not reconcile me to life but make me more averse to it it makes me miserable it is a chill breath in my soul hitherto love has saved me from this chill it is no more and now there is torture in my heart i am frightened i am weary turn to work it is all true uncle you and those like you can reason so you are a cold man by nature you think feel and speak just as a steam engine rolls along a railway line evenly smoothly easily i hope there's no harm in that it's better than dashing off the track pitching into the ditch as you are now and not knowing how to keep upright piotr ivanitch looked at his nephew and stopped short at once what is it i do believe you're crying he said and his face grew dark that is to say he blushed alexander did not answer he remembered his lost happiness and all that was now so different and the tears streamed down his cheeks oh oh for shame said piotr ivanitch are you a man don't cry for goodness sake before me uncle remember the years of your youth said alexander sobbing could you have calmly and indifferently endured the bitterest injury which fate ever sends upon a man to live for a year and a half such a full life and all to end so suddenly nothing emptiness if i had the consolation he went on of having lost her through circumstance if they had forced her against her will even if she had died then it would have been easier to bear but that another that's terrible insufferable what am i to do i am suffocating i am ill it's torture agony i shall die i shall shoot myself he leaned his elbows on the table covered his head with his hand and sobbed aloud piotr ivanitch's self-possession was gone he walked up and down the room twice then stopped opposite alexander and scratched his head not knowing how to begin drink a little wine alexander said piotr ivanitch as gently as he could perhaps that alexander did nothing but his head and shoulders shook convulsively he kept on sobbing piotr ivanitch frowned and with a wave of the hand went out of the room what am i to do with alexander he said to his wife he is sobbing there in my room and has driven me out i am quite worn out with him and did you leave him like that she said poor boy let me i will go to him but you will do no good he is such a nature just like his aunt she was just as lachrymose i have been arguing with him not a little already only arguing and convincing him he agreed with me oh i don't doubt it you are so clever and hypocritical she added thank goodness if i am that i should suppose is all that was wanted ah, i dare say you would still he is crying i'm not to blame i did everything to comfort him what did you do what didn't i i've been talking a whole hour my throat's quite sore i laid down the whole theory of love as plain as possible and offered him money and tried him with supper and wine and he's still crying yes and groaning more than ever oh that's astonishing let me try and you meanwhile think out your new method what what but she had glided like a shadow from the room alexander was still sitting with his head dropped on his arms someone touched his shoulder he lifted his head before him stood a young and beautiful woman in a dressing-gown and a cap a la finoise my aunt he said she took a seat near him and looked steadily at him as only women can and kissed him on the forehead and he pressed his lips to her hand they talked a long while an hour later he had gone away thoughtful but with a smile 
and slept soundly for the first time after many sleepless nights she returned to her bedroom with tear-stained eyes pyotr ivanitch had long ago been snoring End of chapter 6 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine